Welcome back, folks, to Views from the 405 episode... Nine? I don't know. Nondescript. Yeah, we'll go with that. Um, so it's been another month, another month of music. Uh, the second in our comeback, our comeback in this new format of a monthly review. And it's been it's been a bloody good month. Of a, yeah, I mean, February's a shorter month, but it still had four amazing release days. Better or worse than January, what do you think? Better than January, I think. Really? Yeah. Wow. I don't know. I don't know. I loved No Age and the ones we highlighted in our yeah. last episode a lot. Um, I like Jeff Rosenstock. Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that, I mean, that still could be a t- contender as my favourite album of the year Yeah, so far. Uh, apart from maybe one we'll discuss the the one we'll discuss today and one that came out on Friday that or just yeah I might as well I might as well bench because the reviews up of when I gave Lucy Dacus a nine with yeah. the historian but that's uh, for the March episode that is for the March episode which is a little sneak preview for do to come back later yeah um yeah so what, what would you make of February month I think it's better than January but would you make it like on an average compared to an average month what would you say I I don't know. This is it's, it's bad enough trying to. Uh, uh, yeah, we don't have to rate everything. <laughs> rate everything, yeah. Make a list. Let's rate the months in order of greatness. All right, should we just jump into yeah, some of the let's, albums? Let's that made jump February? in. Great. Yep, go on for it. Uh, we'll open with Ott's Room in the World. Yeah, third album from Ott, who came into my life, and I say it like that because I feel like when they, when uh, more than any other day came out in 2014, it was just something that I really, really connected with straight away. And then Sun Coming Down the next year, I loved as well. And now, a few years later, we have Room Inside the World, the first for Merge. A little bit of a reinvention um, with some inflections of like new wave. Uh, they said they took inspiration from the likes of Brian Eno and things like that. Um, some augmentations in the form of like getting a 70-piece choir for the song Desire, which I think is probably the best song on the album. Uh, it just lacks a little bit of the kind of urgency of their earlier stuff. It's definitely more melodic. Tim Darcy's voice sounds better than ever, and I think they're kind of playing to that strength. And it does. I really do like this album a lot. Um, uh, with songs like Desire, as I mentioned, and Pieces Wasted, are these really melodic and beautiful moments. They they do get a little bit um, more frantic on songs like Disaffectation, um, and then they get poppy on things like Disgraced in America. But yeah, it just doesn't have like a a strong identity like more than any other day, and even Sun Coming Down did as much. Uh, I really like the, their ambition on this one, but um, I think I think they can do better. What do you think? Yeah, I think I'm uh, similar. Like, it's quite passive. Uh, it reminded me of like Grizzly Bear's album last year, a bit where I was, yeah, yeah, where I was quite. It was very, it was very fine. It didn't seem like they were trying that hard to try and like push themselves. Um, they seemed quite. Uh, comfortable and just, I just say, um, promoting Darcy's voice and providing an able support with that. But there is there isn't that sense of urgency. There isn't that sense. So, um, momentum really is. There was one thing that always really caught me about the first two albums is the way each song like fed into each other really, really well, and the sequencing of those records were part of the fundamental to why they were. So powerful, whereas this one, it, I, I don't, I don't follow the sequence. It's, it's, it's fine. I'm, I'm, I don't know. I think I'm like a sequencing nerd. I love over analyzing. No, I agree it. with you. As someone who buys vinyl as well, it's an important thing. Yeah. And it definitely felt like both more than any other day and sun coming down have a clear first half, second half, if at the least. Uh, whereas you know, room inside the world is nine tracks. Oh my god, not a number of tracks. No, not that that's not a problem, but um, I don't know, sequencing nerdery. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I don't know where the split would be on the vinyl <laughs> if I bought it. I should have looked when I was in rough trade today. But. It's, it's, it's okay, Rob. It's okay. Well, well, yeah. I don't. I don't know about much more to say. I like. I like some. They've got as usual. They've got some really good one-liners, and yeah. they've got some some cool imagery coming out. Yeah. Um, lyrically, um, he's, he's a very a sharp. Poet. Yeah, he's a sharp lyricist. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I don't really know mostly. It's a fair. It's a very fine six point five seven for me. I, I, it doesn't. It doesn't. Like I, I don't think I'll be listening to it much more the rest of the year. Yeah, I think that peaks on it are up there with some of the lesser tracks on 
sun coming down, which mm. is still really good, but yeah, they can do better. Um, and I, I'll still see them at festivals and stuff because they're a very good live band. And yeah. I'd be interested to see if they add some urgency to these songs in the live setting. Possibly. So, yeah, but they're not cool. playing at Primo or End of the Road, or at least not announced yet, I don't yeah. think. So we'll see. I, I reckon, yeah, that'll be a 2019 sort of spread, wouldn't it? Yeah. So, or Room Inside the Worlds. Uh, yeah, worth checking out. Yeah, go for it. We have uh, U.S. Girls and a poem, Unlimited. Yeah, their second for 4AD follows up uh, their album Half Free from a few years ago, which I had listened to U.S. Girls a bit before that, but that one was like their first really polished one, and uh, it just it, it had their most clear and precise kind of vision. Well, I'm saying they because it's, but it's mainly Meg Remy is the figurehead. Yeah. And uh, but then coming into this one, one of the big things that's been publicised is that she had like twenty plus collaborators on this mm. new album. But it's still clearly her vision. Like mm. it's very political, lyrically, uh, very wry, very acerbic at points, um, very feminist, uh, and all delivered with this kind of very neat, stylish, forward-thinking pop. Uh, is this your first? real foray into US girls yeah they're truthfully yeah I'd, I'd not really listened to too much before beyond like a few like playlists or something like that I've never I'd never listened to a US girls albums in full and it's very very good yeah I think I don't really know uh, in, if I have anything more original to say than what's already been said by yourself and also like I've you know there are quite a few publications I've nailed it including like where Rob and his review yeah I did um, a written review of this one and uh yeah, I don't know, because when I go into a reviews or an interview, I like to dig more into the lyrics, and then it really in, is worth investing the time in investigating the lyrics in this, because she tells a lot of very funny and pointed stories, and uh, you wouldn't be able to tell if you didn't pay attention to the lyrics, because the songs are so almost mainstream in yeah. their sounds, very... Uh, you know, uh, futuristic kind of pop sounds. Yeah, a lot of like ABBA, New Wave comparisons coming out. Yeah, definitely. Um, and last time I saw them touring, she played at Corsica Studios. Oh, really? Yeah, it was just her and a DJ and uh, it was very sweaty and uh, it was good. Uh, she did a cover of um, The Boy Is Mine at the the request of a guy in the front row who was shouting for it the whole time and she forgot the words halfway through of course because I mean she never plays that but I think I kind of hope that she has a bigger live show for this album because considering as I said she had 20 plus collaborators her sound is uh, evolved and expanded I think and now that she's getting all these, this attention this positive media buzz like she's had universally great reviews I hope that they can afford like a a bigger stage show, maybe even a whole band for her. I don't know. I think they would justify it. Yeah, I think I, that would it would be good just to see, even if it's not twenty people on stage. No, obviously that, that, not twenty. Yeah. I think like two would probably do. Yeah, like yeah. Noga has yeah. some. Have you seen Noga? Oh yeah, she yeah, was. She like, was phenomenal. I think a setup like that for US girls would be perfect. Yeah, that'd be good. Like two kind of beat makers, yeah. uh, DJ, or even. So like a DJ and a percussionist. I don't know. Yeah. I'm not a musician. I just talk about it. Anyway, US Girls in a poem unlimited. Very much worth checking. Yeah, out. very much. And I, I just missed out on our top three. Yeah. yeah. Oh. Before we get to our top three, the ra- there was the albums aren't in order. They're just as we yeah. feel like talking about them. So yeah. in a poem unlimited would be number four if we were gonna yep. rate them all. <laughs> Next up, we have Screaming Females. All with, at once. All at once. I've, I've not 
uh, listen to this. So, Rob, take it away. So, All at Once is the seventh album from this trio of New Jersey punks. And I can't say I've listened to every single one of their albums. In fact, I, I've only listened to two or three and they and at that not very much so i wasn't that familiar with them before getting all at once but immediately in hearing this i was just hooked uh mostly thanks to the third track on the album called i'll make you sorry which is just an instant pop classic i made it our track of the day on the 405 when they released it as a single um and just getting hooked on that song and then continuing through the album and getting more and more hooked on there's there's some really uh, cutting and dynamic rock songs. At times they remind me of Sleater Kinney, at times they remind me of even someone like R.E.M., but always with this very uh, scrappy uh, New Jersey sound. And they have this uh, reputation of being a very loud and frantic live band, but on the record, or at least on this record, they sound tight, they sound polished, they're ambitious, they have this two-part uh, song in the middle of the album called Chamber for Sleep, which is definitely the most ambitious thing they've done and i can't wait to see them bring it live to oslo just down the street i've been dreaming about it i can't wait to see it uh so yeah i mean it's seventh album and i wouldn't normally jump into a band on a seventh album or recommend to anyone to jump in on a seventh album but i would say that this is the exception that proves the rule i mean seventh album's just as good a place to start as any with screaming females so all at once which is out now on Don Giovanni, which is a great label. Oh, that sounds nice. Yeah. Well, is it, I just thought, I wonder if, if that was like a similar transition for like like what uh, White Lung did, yeah. or I guess also what Hoopworms are doing as well, yeah. and that, that 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 shift over not not to mainstream but to the slightly more like well, the Hoopworms disco punk or the more like indie rock flavors or the more melody sort of tinged and stuff like that. But I think it's worked for. Well, it's, it worked for both Hook Ones and that White Lung album from 2016 yeah, was one maybe. of my favourite of that year, yeah. which is phenomenal. So I, I think it's interesting to see it. I also think it'd be quite cool to see start seeing more conventional indie rock bands try going harder and and punker, but I can only think of any example yeah. that springs to mind. Well, Titus Andronicus reached those kind of levels at points, definitely not on the new album, but there must be examples. Well, yeah. there should be. Anyway... Next up, we have Ray Morris with someone out there, which I haven't heard, unfortunately. So, so we've taken a little, a little yeah. uh, change. My change turn to take a break. Yeah, uh, yeah. So yeah, this is uh, someone out there is our second album uh, released on Atlantic, um, and it is one of my favorite pop song uh, pop albums of the year so far. Um, there's like it's that perfect balance between familiar hooks that just like that click instinctively and some more unexpected textures like some of the the forms the songs take um they will have very unexpected breakdowns or blips um and her voice is the the secret weapon alongside the more like um Madonna style pop flavorings, and it's quite, it's very, it's like a very, it's very eighties rather than you know like a like a Lord Taylor Swift, uh, you know, like a what's his, like a Jack. There's not really Jack and Antonoff style. It's more breeze, breezier than that. Um, uh, but a really strong, um, affect is her voice. It's it reminds me of like a Bjork or Kate Bush, and that it's very, it's high pitched, but it's very technically precise. And the way it works with the the more gen, gentle, like um, very, I guess sort of sparse. It's not very maximalistic um, arrangements. Works incredibly well, and it's 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 one. It's also incredibly moving at times, which I really didn't expect. Um, songs like like uh, "Wait for the Rain" and then "Dancing with Character" at the end. Um, even if they're not necessarily a ballad, they they've got a real power to it as propelled by her pretty stunning voice yeah and it's i really really liked it i i if if i'm being entirely honest i reckon this 
if I would do it a personal top three, I reckon this would displace Carsey Headrest. Like oh, a, a, spoiler, what's in our top three? Oh, no. <laughs> oh, well, we might as well give up the podcast. But yeah, I'm I'm a massive fan of this record, and I strongly advise Rob to check it out, and, and your listeners, if you've not done so. I downloaded it today, so I'll definitely check it out. Uh, but she has a song called Atletico, and I've been wanting to ask someone in the know, is that anything <laughs> to do with football? Uh, it's it's not no I I I I did actually check it just in case but of course I knew you would check so yeah, what I mean, is it why is it called Atletico I think it's, isn't it just like um I think it, I didn't I didn't see why I, I think it isn't just is it just athletic and I don't think it's an ode to Diego Simeone's boys it is isn't, isn't it just Spanish for athletic yeah, I guess so I guess so she just made it to rhyme instead of saying athletic anyway it's nothing to do with football uh, unfortunately not no. Cannot wait for the rain to remove this lover's pain. I cannot wait for the rain to come and fill me up again. Black Milk, Fever. How many albums has he had? Seven as well? Yeah, he's been for a while. He's, he does a lot of like behind-the-scenes stuff, doesn't he, as well? He does a lot of yeah, production. he does a lot of production. He did uh, one of our favourites from, was it last year? Uh, the Kendrick, Danny Brown, L oh, Sweatshirt yeah. pile-up on the Danny Brown album. He yeah. produced that. Blood Air. Um, uh, well, I try, I try the exhibition. But yeah. What was the... What was the, the really do. Oh, really do. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Bang. Yeah, that, that, is, that is such a good... I need to revisit that album. That was... that. I, I reckon that's going to stand up a lot if I yeah. went on a, on a revisit quite well. But he's not just a producer. He is a rapper as well. So this was my introduction to Black Milk, apart from the productions that I've heard before. But this is my introduction to him as a rapper. Uh, largely at the behest of Chase, yeah. our, our reviews editor, who absolutely adores this album and has reviewed the album and interviewed Black Milk. So anything that we say is yeah. probably uh, ten times better expressed in his pieces. But um, he is a big, he is a big fan. Uh, it's uh, it's a very good album. Uh, very um, chilled, very smooth. Um, one of the things he talked about with Black Milk in his interview is how uh, he Donald Trump looms large in it, but it's not like an angry rap album. It's actually quite relaxed and and uh, soulful in a way, yeah. um, which I found quite interesting. And uh, yeah, I don't really have anything much beyond that to say. I haven't dug into the bars, as it were. Yeah, I think it's, I, I I really like the production on it. I guess as you expect for someone so experienced and so proficient in it, it's, it's just is something more aligned across to some. Uh, maybe like a, a less sampled a tribe called quest or you know like to pimp a butterfly kendrick was very jazz oriented um there's a lot of that like that those more sparse uh textures um but it's i i'm a i'm a big fan of it and i think it's because considering as someone who is best known for his production work he has got a good flow on him and i've not i've not dove uh too too uh deeply into the bars later on but there are a few like you're catching ones in there a few like um, quite catchy couplets and hooks um, and yeah, even has a couple of in- instrumental songs that are just mm. beats as well yeah which is cool yeah yeah he's, 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 he's quite like a intelligible figure like um, across he's, he's, he strikes a good balance between um, vin- uh, how, would, how would you say it vindictive of um, of like the you know the political climate and everything, but he also has the self awareness and the compassion to you know attempt to for to connect and communicate, which makes is a lot more interesting than just saying oh Trump is shit. Um, <laughs> but that works for Vince Staples. It did work for Vince Staples. For Vince Staples also had Sophie at his production, which also helped. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, th- I I really really like this album. Yeah. I don't, I don't um, else, but. One other thing, as you say, he's he's not that sample heavy, or at least not recognisable samples. But in Chase's interview with him, he suggested that he should start sampling K-pop. So if you hear that on the next Black Milk album, you know where that seed was generated. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Credit. Credit. Chase McMullen. 
Needed a drink and I fell for your thirst trap. Good times when we were trapped. Them bad times, wish I could go back and reverse that. Find what I hurt at. Searching, no stress from before. With any X's, sending X's and O's. A cold world, but as long as we know before we step in the cold. Next, as we, we smash through this, we're making great time, uh, is Ezra Furman's Transangelic Exodus. Yeah, which I haven't listened to that much, but it does seem intri- intriguing. I didn't realise this guy's huge. I, I don't think I've ever heard of him before this album, but this is like his fourth album, and he's playing Brixton Academy, so where the hell have I been? I, I, I don't know. Um, so I, I first saw him at End of the Road two years ago, and he... Like he blew me away, and then I actually saw two times because he played. He never would have the secret secret uh, show uh, concept, and you don't know who's going to play. And then he turn up, and it's oh, it's Wild Beasts, or oh, it's Ezra Furman, and it was Ezra Furman, and he absolutely smashed. It. He had his uh, saxophonist, they had him, and his like guitarist, and that was like quite a small back. But he's just such a energetic, energetic sign that I just I really really like fell in love with them instantly and it's one of those classic cases where you don't really know them but you then go see a live show at a festival and then you come back and you just like listen to the entire discography you just like fall in love with them and I definitely did that with Ezra Furman what I will say is that before that his songs I would I would I don't mean this as a slight, but they were always quite singles heavy by comparison. Like they were more like a like they were they had narrative through lines, but they weren't there wasn't like there wasn't that sort of coherence that is to this, which is it's almost like a concept album about the idea of like falling in love and the idea of like liberated love. And it's it's really moving and powerful and his actual the 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 his his actual poetry is incredibly moving while being very complex and very nuanced, uh, but well, you know, is that perfect balance between uh, a very comprehensible um, sentence that's also doubles up as having a lot of import and say uh, being very precise and economical with his uh, word choice, and then he, he's a very good pr- producer as well. Like there's, there's, he uses various, you know, different, you know, have like strings and brass to all very, very. Um, you know, quite clinical effect, and it's just a very complete album for me. Like I, I just think as a as a self contained record that just delivers lyrically on its actual theme of you know liberated queer love, and just a very satisfying hooks and melodies and harmonies throughout it. Um, yeah, I'm 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 a big fan of it, even if it doesn't quite like break into and like something I I worship. Perhaps because it's so self-contained and because it is so complete and um, polished, that maybe that just doesn't quite break it for me. But I do, I do really enjoy it, and it's actually a very efficient listen. In that it's quite easy just to sit there and have it on in the background, while you know you you do something else, or you just listen to the lyrics quite attentively. It's quite good. Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm surprised you hear you say energetic because isn't it quite a somber album? Yeah, but I mean, I mean, energetic as in what, like the the like the intimacy of what he's expressing, like the actual Im- the import of his what he's doing, and and as more, you know, as 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 less BPMs compared to his first three records, which were a bit like had like rambunctious choruses and massive saxophone uh, hooks and everything like that. But I do think there's an well, maybe energy might be the wrong words, but if I had to self-justify, I'd say like a, an understated energy to it, or like a, a more emotional energy necessarily than a, a sonic energy to it. Cool. All right, I'm definitely going to check it out then. Yeah, so go for it. Transangelic Exodus by Ezra Furman. Let's take the eye for the evening And we're driving in a car that won't slow down Making ourselves up in the rear view mirror I know God lifts up the lowly I know God lifts up the lowly And the last of our non-top non three albums is the Black Panther uh, original soundtrack 
feature by curated by Kendrick, though he does tape somewhat of a backseat. And you, we've both seen Black Panther, but you saw it very recently, didn't you? Yeah, I just saw it on Friday. I was actually surprised they didn't use that much of this soundtrack in the film. Mm. I think they the sound, the music in the movie is really good, but it's mostly the score that's used, not the the massive soundtrack that he's put together, which yeah. features people like Scissor and Two Chains and Coloured and Vince Staples and this new posse SOB times RBE. Yeah. Have you listened to them at yeah, all? Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I listened to some other stuff afterwards. They were cool. Yeah. Um, I think my favourite is... Um, oh, I can't remember. Was it Sway Lee? Is it the South African rapper? Who just absolutely kills it on The Ways. I think The Ways is my favourite song off the album. And his his verse is, is just banging. It's so good. I think it's one of my... I think The Ways is one of my favourite rap songs of the year so far. It's just a, it's just, it's a really cool record because I like the concept behind it where he's got some big, um, you know, British, some big American names, but he's also uh, commissioned quite a few, you know, native African yeah. rappers as well who, abs- who arguably outshine their... Um, they're more famous. Uh, yeah, because for them, this is a huge opportunity, whereas for the other rappers, they've got like they've got a lot of spotlight already, probably. Mm. So yeah, the lesser knowns really step up on this. Yeah, uh, Georgia Smith, who's a big deal yeah. at the moment. She like she's amazing. Have you listened to some of our singles? Uh, no, I haven't actually. I've her voice her name is everywhere. incredible. Like I'd really, if you have not listened to her, like her stuff, but she's. I'm trying to think of a comparison, but her voice is mind-blowing. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that's why I'm surprised they didn't use more of this in the film. Yeah. Because the the budget that's gone into making this must have been huge. Yeah. Getting all these rappers involved. Unless maybe they did Kendrick a favor and just did it for free. I don't yeah. know. It must be. But Marvel has the money, so they would have been just like, pay me. <laughs> pay me Disney, Marvel Corporation. Um, but yeah, it's a really good album and keeps up Kendrick's consistency. Anything that he's involved in yeah. is always definitely worth checking out. He hasn't hasn't put out anything unworthy yet, unless you count those Maroon Five features. There was also that Taylor Swift. Oh um, yeah, but when he's the the, the main name, yeah. not when he's a feature. Yeah, forget it. But when it's his uh, his name uh, on to- on the top line, then you know it's going to be a worthy. And uh, Black Panther, the album is definitely worth, and so is movie. The movie is well worth seeing, despite it lacking using this soundtrack. It does have amazing score within the Marvel constraints. It does yeah. an amazing job of doing something original. Um, great cast, looks beautiful. Uh, Michael B. Jordan's an incredible villain, even though he'll always be Wallace from The Wire to me. I mean, he looks so far from Wallace in yeah. this movie as it could be, but you know, it's still in his eyes, still in there. Wallace, I miss you. Uh, yeah, I will say is that it's it's not exactly uh, groundbreaking. It's fairly derivative and populist in yeah. what it's doing, but it does it incredibly well. As it's, you'd expect, there's a few Kendrick. tweaks to the usual yeah. formula in that the Black Panther isn't like an origin story. It has like a mythological kind of religious uh, angle to it. That's it's an inherited role being Black Panther. I like that there was a genuine moral. Um, argument about whether the Wakandans should share their knowledge with the outside world or not. Like in Marvel movies, the good and evil is generally pretty black and white, but in this case, that's actually a quite compelling uh, argument. And Michael B. Jordan was actually very imposing and threatening as Killmonger, and uh, (laughs) he brought a genuine sense of uh, uh, terror, like compared to most... Um, when they have that battle, that the 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 battle, the fight, I can't remember the trial. That's what I'm looking for. The trial between Killmonger and uh, Black Panther. There is genuine tension there, so I would say thumbs up to Black Panther. Oh yeah, as as a film, I absolutely adore it. And as you say, he has he has absolutely class as well. Um, I was just like, so it's not, Swaley is an American rapper, and I can't remember what South African rapper it is that I, 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 is that I listened to and loved. It might have been Eugen Blackrock. Could be Babes Wadomo. I'll need need to, I'll need to double check. But either way, uh, I'll be sure to tell Rob for the show notes, because it is the best song in the album, and apparently I've forgotten it. Um, 
but yeah, I definitely check out the OST, the OST. Check out the the film as well. Um, it's there's so there's so much to undercut it. The the, the like it's post colonial reading is really interesting. There's a lot of really if there's a film that's going to have actually genuinely interesting and provocative think pieces this year, at least a blockbuster film, it's going to be this one. Um, so I'm I'm lapping up those at the minute. I move like a millipede when I flex them tendons like rubber trees. Young Billy Jackson back to the shit. Mouthpiece drawn, got a verbal armory. Stack bodies, not figurines. Move beneath the surface, submarine. I'm half machine, obscene with a light sword. Look inside the brain, it's a riot in the psych ward. What you standing on the side for? Roar like a lioness, punch like a cyborg. Spit slick, attack is subliminal. Flowers on my mind, but the rhyme style's sinister. Stab behind my own bars like a seasoned criminal. Gotham city streets are playing the. Crushing any system that belittles us. Antidote to every poison they administer. That's the that's the end of the best of the rest. Yep. Now it's time to get to the top three. And uh, unfortunately, I've always give, already given away number three. Wait, do you think we should get a jingle for the top three? If you want to make a jingle for us, send <laughs> us a jingle. Yes, you've given away number three, but it's worth stating again, number three in our best albums of February is Car Seat Headrest's Twin Fantasy, which is kind of a new album, kind of an old album, uh, before Teens of Denial, their smash hit Breakthrough of 2016, their first proper album for Matador. Uh, Will Toledo, the car seat headrest figurehead, uh, recorded like nine albums on his own in yeah. the back of his car in his room. Basically very low budget albums that really showed who he was progressing as a songwriter. And when he signed the deal with Matador, one of the point deals he made was that he would get to go back and re-record Twin Fantasy, his 2011 album, with a bigger band, studio, know-how, budget, and here we are, the 2018 version of Twin Fantasy, the bigger, better, booming album that is. Uh, how have you enjoyed Twin Fantasy? Yeah, it's it's in many, it's a very strange album from my perspective. It, it it it's quite similar structurally to uh, Teens of Denial, but also isn't. Like um, so the idea, like song structures, and that the sum will be incredibly brief, but some also go for what sixteen minutes was the one. Yeah, sixteen minutes. Sixteen minutes. One is thirteen minutes. Yeah, yeah, and it's and then there'll be a follow up track that's uh, ninety seconds long, and it, that can be quite disorienting like, on the first listen. But when you dive into, especially since the mid section is fairly consistent between like five and seven minutes, um, and it's there's some I quite like how it's bookended. Yeah. Um, the idea that like. The, the opening, it's like a cold open and then there's a sprawling prologue and then you've got like four or five more hook-centric pure bangers. Like the, the, the run from sober to death to cute thing, those four tracks are just hook after hook, one line after one liner. That was quite simple, like like um, most evocative of Teens of Denial. And I, I'm being honest, as like a, as normy as I might seem, though that was my favourite part of the album. When is that? Especially bodies. Bodies is my favorite cut from the record. It's bodies just, is amazing. it's so good. Um, and I, 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 I sort of my mind. I wasn't as captivated by the longer tracks in this as I was by Teens of Denial. And I wonder how much of that was the songwriting development over the five years between the original recording of Twin Fantasy and Teens of Denial. Well, what do you think? Interesting. I hadn't thought about that actually because I do love the long tracks, especially Beach Life and Death, the second track, the thirteen minute track. And I give the famous prophets the penultimate track, the sixteen minute track, a break because of I like Twin Fantasy mainly because it's kind of like a kind of a concept album in the way. It's about um, you know, schizophrenia or like believing that you're becoming schizophrenic and talking to another version of yourself or Will Toledo talking to another version of himself and the whole album is kind of mirrored so the the Beach Life and Death is the second track mirrors the 16 minute Famous Prophets uh, the penultimate track um, and certain lyrics come back like Stop Smoking We Love You and the third track comes back in the eighth track the third from the end as Keep Smoking We Love You and uh, the ocean washed over your grave from beach life and death comes back as the be- the ocean washed open your grave 
in Famous Prophets and just looking at the track names, My Boy, Twin Fantasy is the opening track, Twin Fantasy, Those Boys is the end track, so that's kind of him <laughs> accepting the the his duplicitous nature and whether that's a happy ending or not is, uh, I mean, when he's in the middle of Peach Life and Death and he absolutely screams, I don't want to go insane, I don't want schizophrenia, you don't you think the last thing he'd want is to go schizophrenic, but by, by the end of Twin Fantasy, he seems to be happily living with his you know alter ego and as you say those middle four tracks are just hook after hook banger after banger and those are the ones that are going to catch people sober to death nervous young inhumans bodies and cute thing uh are yeah those the are going to be festival favorite yeah, songs. those are the ones that they're going to be sick of playing by the end yeah. of the summer <laughs> i can't i can't wait to see these guys are they playing they're playing prima are i'm they? seeing them with the roundhouse nice. uh they've expanded to a seven-piece band are they? Interesting. Uh, for the the new tour so, so they've got double drummers that, uh, excellent because I was going to say the thing I, that I really liked about this album I don't know what it compares I've not listened to the original so I don't know how it compares to the original recording but I love the drumming on this record yeah it's really forceful but also perfectly works in uh, synchronicity with uh, Toledo's voice it's really really good I wonder if they recorded it with two drummers I have no idea maybe I'll look in, I bought the vinyl uh, so I'll look in the notes about the the performers and um yeah uh I, it's worth will toledo is such an interesting lyricist i did a deep listen uh with to the listening reading along the lyrics with reading with listening to the vinyl and it's just yeah it really takes you on a journey i mean as those four middle more catchy songs aren't as related to the overall theme but those first three and last three really tie together quite nicely in this schizophrenic kind of a story so yeah Cassie Headrest Twin Fantasy. Anything else to say? No, I think about about covers. Definitely check it out. Yeah, check it out. I mean, I'm not as it's not as good. It's not as big for me as Teens of Denial, but I still really like it. It doesn't have the standout. I wouldn't put on a single track from Twin Fantasy, whereas off Teens of Denial, I could pick certain tracks and put yeah. those on individually. But as a whole album, I think Twin Fantasy works better as a piece. Interesting. Than, I, than I, I, I think. I, yeah, I think I need to re-listen to it because I, I have just been re-listening to those four middle tracks quite yeah. a bit. But I, I do need to stick by the full album. Listen. Yeah, but um, it's long, seventy-five yeah. minutes. But so was Teens of Denial was really long yeah. too. I don't want to go Second, yeah, number second. two from February. We yes. are, oh, Microsoft by Hookworms. We had a bit of a, a stall there. Who's a, we a both a wanted playful, to say it because we both love it so yeah, much. A bit of playful banter for your listener. Uh, um, this is their third album. Their fir- first for Domino, I think. Maybe not their first for Domino, actually. I might be completely wrong. But their first for over three years, almost four years. Um, and that is mostly because in December 2015, uh, the River Air flooded and washed out their studio destroyed all their equipment and everything and uh you know they would have had to completely rebuild reinvest i hope they were insured i assume they were insured because uh, i doubt they could afford to completely re uh repurchase everything they lost but out of that destruction came a new beginning for them so Microshift is an absolutely huge step forwards for them like their previous two albums the hum and uh i can't remember the name of the other one uh but uh, were really good kind of proggy uh, not proggy like psychedelic uh, kraut rock quite straightforward guitar laden guitar led tracks whereas Microshift comes along and it's built on this bed of kind of gurgling synths continues with their uh, you know uh, powerful rock gait but is much more melodic and catchy and big and hooky than anything they've done before and I love again I always have a soft spot for an album that flows together as a piece and this one really does uh, like I said with Twin Fantasy you need to listen to it all in one go in a row and I bought the vinyl for this and it's really annoying where the cut is because I just want it to play through the whole album because it does it is you know a sweet it's a piece it, uh, so um, it just shows ambition that I never would have thought Hookworms had before. Mm. You know, I just always thought they were like a mid-level 
good rock band who would be consistently putting out albums, but this one puts them right up there as one of the most exciting bands uh, in the UK at the moment, I think. What do you make of it? Yeah, definitely. I think it's, it really helps when you have someone that, like Matt uh, or MJ, as uh, yeah. they refer to them, as they refer to themselves by their initials. Like his, his, his full-time job is as a producer and then Hookworms is like his passion project. Yeah. That's and, why the, the, he had a studio because yeah. he's a producer. But and I think, I think like, even just a few more years experience as a producer has really helped this it's, it, to me it sounds like a DFA album because oh. of the, like the disco punk infections as I, as I suggested earlier uh, and it's just it, it's incredible it's really effectual in in how each song navigates around each other because they're actually they're actually quite idiosyncratic in their own way so you've got Negative Space as this massive disco punk banger but then you have War Ones that would be more leaning crowd rock it would be a slightly more um, of a callback to their psych or prog roots and it is quite proggy in places as well some yeah, of the stuff it goes, it's very experimental and it's really cool some places a song like Opener um, for it is quite sprawling um, so I saw them in Brighton last weekend, and they were absolutely fantastic. And the the, the new stuff and the old stuff, I was quite, I was not concerned, but I was curious to see how they'd, like, how well would they, whether they would jar or not, having them beside each other. But they worked incredibly well, and you know, and had a, they had a live saxophone, which is always. And it's important on this album because yeah. it has it's not used much, but it has some very important moments involved in it, especially on Boxing Day, I think it is, mm, where yeah. it just has this kind of, I, feel, I always picture like a, well, Boxing Day is about the flood that happened on Boxing Day and just, that destroyed their studio. So this saxophone plays an important part in kind of personifying that force. It's amazing. Uh, and yeah, I'm glad to hear that they had a live saxophone. They're playing London later this month. I definitely want to try and go. Um, yeah, I, I saw them once supporting Slowdive when they were on the previous album, and yeah, they were good, but I think this would take them to a whole new level. And it has some interesting other lyrical, uh, obviously a lot of it is about inspired by the flood and things like that, but it also um, touches on his, his own uh, kind of body dysmorphia in places, which is quite yeah, interesting. Yeah, that's, that is interesting. And uh, depression obviously looms large in it, and... Um, yeah, hookworms. Yeah, it's it's a it's a great album. We gave it again nine. Andy, Andy's yeah. review is fantastic. Yeah, Andy Johnson did a thorough, very thorough review, which Hookworms tweeted to say was their favorite, the one that most understood their what they were going for. Yeah. So definitely worth a read. Definitely yeah. worth you know following up on all the all the well he's done all the following up necessary. He tells the whole story yeah. and how it relates and yeah. Hookworms, Microshift. Yeah, check it out. And check them out live, apparently. Oh, absolutely. We are my, prob- probably my favourite gig of the year so far. Ooh. Actually, no, Forte. I forgot about Forte. Oh, we could have t- that could, should have been in news. Every yeah. news. Yeah. Forte put on four amazing nights at Village Underground. Yeah, there I, you go. That, was, that was mind-blowing. One of, the best, one of the best electronic sets I've seen. into our number one our favourite album of February yeah and this is one that completely flew under the radar for most people because it is Nicholas Jar, one of our longtime favourites but working under an old alias that he resurrected for this AAL brackets against all logic uh, so firstly you know why it's called A.A.L no dot after the L why? because it's against all logic <laughs> That's, that's so pretentious but I like it that's my theory I don't know if that's true that's just alright okay <laughs> <laughs> no Nicholas Jar didn't actually come out and say that's why no. there's no dot there I don't think Nicholas Jar said a, a word a word absolutely nothing about no. this album it's so mysterious it just kind of gradually picked up momentum as people started to realise that this this uh, new 10 track I guess it's a compilation yeah. rather than an album because it's called 2012 to 2017 11 tracks actually uh, so ostensibly, it's stuff that he's been putting together for the last five years that he's now released under this AAL pseudonym. Uh, and you can see why he hasn't released it under his own name, because while there are certain uh, hallmarks of his production style 
it is a departure from uh, sirens and spaces only noise and the nymph stuff that he's done under Nicholas Jar. So he's really marked out against all logic as a kind of different brand. Yeah. Uh, you love this album as much as I do. Right? I do, yeah. I guess it's similar to you know the classic case we like Caribou Daphne, except yeah. this one. And even like Aphex Twin, AFX, yeah, things like that. Um, as well, even like he's he's incredibly polyglot and his tastes are incredibly diverse. I mean, you look at his dark side stuff, where it's almost like yeah. very laid back, psychedelic, very guitar heavy, almost jazz in a, in a way. Where like yeah. this is this is like house. This is pure house music. It's yeah. It's it's got it's not entirely conservative, but fairly rigid four by four beats. It's yeah. got really classically house arrangements in yeah. its piano and and strings. And as the Pitchfork review highlighted quite well, the sampling is superb. Yeah, that's what it's all about. It's yeah. all about the sampling. Like every song makes perfect space and perfect use of the samples. He's dug out a bunch of soul, old soul samples from somewhere, and even on a song like some kind of game where the soul sample doesn't come in for like a minute or so, it's just kind of these pianos. You kind of feel like the pianos are dancing around this vacuum where the sample is going to come in and perfectly slot in and it absolutely does um something like i never dream actually sounds like the avalanches mm. like the the the, the uh, sample that he's used in the way he loops it sounds like something that could have come from since i left you uh and then the rest is i think i don't i, I wonder if it's presented chronologically that would interest me because it does get kind of dancier as it moves on yeah the last track is rave on you which is obviously a very uh floor focused yeah. song yeah the way the, the way that works is so well. Like that the, the the peaks and troughs in that is, yeah. is stunning. The way it, it just hits at the sweet spot exactly, exactly where you want it. Yeah. Um. I mean, so I I I I said to you that my favorite song is City Fade, and yeah. I say and because I we did a blurb of the best albums of February, and I blurbed it. Um. I said City Fade was my favorite album, but I do feel like the next time I listen to it, you know, now you got me hooked. Might might be, and I do fucking love the drop. And now you got me hooked. It's so satisfying. The drops throughout were absolutely. I mean, they blow my mind. Literally, like they're so juicy, so deep. I don't know how. Like it's already bassy, and then somehow he manages to make a drop that doubles the bassiness. Yeah, or I saw something like some kind of game where it's just it's the drop as the the piano becomes into focus. Whereas I was quite distorted earlier, and then it, because it comes into focus, it just it has such a punch to it. It's yeah. ingenious. It's so clever. Yeah, and songs like Know You, the samples just get absolutely stuck in your head. Yeah. Like, I couldn't sleep the other night because that song was going around my head so yeah. much. But and every song's worthwhile as well. They, they all have something individualistic and yeah. tempting about them. Like You you, you will have a new favourite every time you listen to it. Yeah, and we were saying before how this is a good one to put on in company who don't necessarily listen to a lot of music it's very universally appealing yeah especially if you're going to go on a night out and you're pre-drinking or whatever it's a perfect kind of pick me up ready getting ready for yeah. the night out not too oppressive not too loud but perfectly like poised just ah oh, delightful yeah. as well as i did as i was i was saying earlier like i had to i was instructed by my housemate to uh soundtrack pre-drinks for his birthday night out on saturday and uh, everyone there was fairly chart conscious. They enjoyed, they appreciated uh, more chart focused stuff, and then so I I thought this would be a nice a nice balance because it is so catchy and it is so likable. It'd be a, a good point. So I think this it has a universal appeal, and I cannot wait to see either at live or for as will be inevitable for you know like people like Daphne or. Yeah. Or like being UFO to start playing. Yeah, it. I fully expect to hear some of these songs getting played out this summer. A primavera, someone's got to put yeah, them on. At least, yeah, I'm very, very excited to see it to hear, to hear it in the dance floor. Because they are so, they're very um, tactile in that way. They can fit into a into a set where you're doing techno or house mm. or tech house or you know going through more old songs. Yeah, like the dis disco like, or it's like anything except for maybe I don't know like garage or something. You're pretty much sorted. Yeah. So, I mean, at this point, I want more AAL. Yeah. Like, Jar, take a back seat. No, no. I'm <laughs> Don't Jar, I love you too. <laughs> but it would be cool to see him take these songs out on the road. Yeah, I'd, 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 love to, I'd love to see it. I, I reckon he must do. Like, the, the way like, like, uh, Dan Snaith loves, prefers, well, apparently prefers working on, on, as Daphne. Um, so, yeah, I'd, 
please, Nick. We probably won't get anything, and then in in six years he'll drop twenty eighteen to twenty twenty four, yeah. and we'll be here again yeah. recording episode seven hundred or whatever. No, not that much. We'll probably <laughs> episode twenty, <laughs> something like that, uh, and it'll be our favorite album of you know October twenty four. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> That's February, and considering we had Jeff Rosenstock and this one as our favourite album of the month, that's a fairly strong first two albums. Yeah, to, exactly. To with. And March is looking very strong as well. I don't yeah. know how we're going to whittle it down to a top three, let alone pick a top one. But, yeah. You know, there's plenty of time to catch up with those. I would say go back and check out our top three car seat headrest, hookworms, and against all logic. If you haven't heard any of those, yeah, and uh, and and the the rest, if uh, if they took your fancy, yeah, um, hopefully you enjoyed the clips that I will be later inserting. I'm I'm, I'm sure they will. Yeah, um, yeah, but that that's been views from the four or five in our new digestible under fifty minutes form. Yeah, I hope take you that. Pre- yeah, over an hour podcasts. Yeah, we're we're, we're new hip you're, and brave. You're stodgy. No one wants you. We're the perfect length for a commute. Yeah, we've, cut, we've cut out the bloat. Yeah, and we're gradually uh, wasting ourselves by keep by continuing to talk and making it longer than it needs to be. So we're going to shut up. I'm Rob, hacking me in at Temporaryism on Twitter. Uh, any pieces you want to promote of your own? I want to promote my Camp Cope and Lucy Dacus interviews. We'll be talking about both of those albums on the next, next podcast, but the, the interviews are live now, so check those out. Um... I think uh, my Lucy Dacus review, I'm quite uh, quite quite shocked yeah. with that. And you did an interview with Loma, whose yeah. album would have been number eleven and on top. Yep. Of yeah, yeah. I also, yeah, I really like that Loma album as well. I'd also advise if you're into your scrappy indie rock, as probably uh, the majority of people listening to this are, uh, check out Anna Butch as well. I don't think it should get swept under the radar Definitely. because it is very solid and the, her voice and the production is really good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think that's as for me. I'm Kieran Devlin at No Not That Devlin. I really need to change that handle. Uh, yeah, uh, that's good. All right, and I'm Rob, and we'll see you in a month. See or you so. in a month. Thanks. Cheers.